This podcast delves into strong adult themes, mental health awareness issues, and discussions about sexual assault. It is our mission to create a safe space for open and honest dialogue on these topics. However, we want to make you aware of the following. Our episodes may contain explicit content. This may include the use of strong language and discussions of sensitive topics that some listeners may find offensive. Listener discretion is strongly advised. The views of the opinions are expressed in each episode do not necessarily reflect the views of the creators and producers. We do not endorse or condone any explicit language or offensive content. Our aim is to foster open and respectful discussion and provide a platform for understanding and awareness. We tackle sensitive topics such as mental health, sexual assault. It is essential to approach these subjects with empathy and care. If you or someone you know is struggling with mental health issues or have been affected by sexual assault, please seek professional help or guidance. This podcast is not a substitute for professional advice or therapy. If you're listening with children or easily offended by explicit material or the discussion of these sensitive subjects, we strongly recommend that you exercise caution and review episodes before proceeding. We encourage all of our listeners to reach out to the appropriate support networks and organizations that specialize in mental health and sexual assault issues. Your well-being is of the utmost importance. And by choosing to listen to our podcast, we acknowledge that you understand of and consent to all the content that is being discussed. Is being discussed. I made it so far. Goddamn. We appreciate that you understand our commitment to being respectful and engaging while we try to be funny and stay on topic. This is Comic Patrol. I can't do the regular intro just yet. No, this 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 is a different type of episode. We've been talking. We've had more meetings about this comic than any other comic that we've covered. I think this was slated originally to be like in the 40s in terms of episodes, 40s or 50s even the 30s i don't know it was, it was up there like, it was early it was when, we've, we've been pushing this back for a long time yeah. and not because we didn't want to talk about it, it's because we didn't know how to talk about it and we're in the 80s now yeah. yeah yeah and now it's just time to talk about it uh again this is the first this time is... we're using our parental discretion what's it called it's not our first time but it's Podcast we used it for the alan moore stuff too. yeah um and that was a season ago so um, yeah, that was uh, episode 52, and now we're on episode 82. And ironic that so, uh, Alan Moore appears in this comic as well. He so. does. He does. He has an issue all to himself. We are l- loosely, uh, and, well, I don't know if it's loosely. I don't know why I said loosely. Like, uh, I'm already kind of taken aback of who Sam Keith is because this is story and art done by him and we're talking about The Max everything you can talk about The Max we're talking about the entire series run this is a special episode in the fact that if you have not read this book man um, and if you have buckle in this is going to be one of those episodes uh, spoilers included because we are going to be talking about everything we possibly can Oh yeah. Remember, keep up with, wrote down. There's there's so many avenues. And I don't know how one man could think this what's the opposite of linear? Because this is by no means a linear story, right? He's four dimensional. It's wide open. He's playing it's wide he's playing four D yeah. chess. So uh, back at it again, like we never left Coke and Dank, Dank and Coke. We are D Lethal Weapons. 
Hey, Dank. Hey, Coco. What did the rabbit say to his wife? What did the rabbit say to his wife? No bunny compares to you. It's not that, not that funny, but it is topical because I have yet to read a book that compares to Sam Keith Max. It's this one hit me like a freight train, and like we said, we've been we've been having a hard time starting starting this. I think that when we when we get going, we'll be okay. But it's a it's a tough one to start with because there's a lot going on. There's a lot of different layers to it. A lot of different themes. Very heavy stuff. And it's a complicated it's a complicated story, and it's a special story. It's it's so well woven with all the characters that he chooses to include and introduce. Um, it's glaring for the choices that he's made. There's a lot of like feedback and community that he's built that are constantly talking with Sam Keith through his comic of the choices that he makes and the characters' decisions. But it it's something that lingers on you. Like you can't read this and not think about it as soon as you put it down. Um, it's not necessarily a page turner because there have been moments where like I got to take a break from this. Mm-hmm. But as a collection. It, he has to be celebrated as a visionary and an original in a industry of so much creativity and world building and uniqueness and stylized. Like he's managed to hit all those nails on the head and still come up with something that you, you, we have yet to have seen anything close to this in you, the last 30 you, years. You put it, you put it down once, didn't you? Like you're like, okay, wait a second. We got to, yeah. <laughs> Like you, I think what was it? it? Was a while back. You started reading. And you're kind of like, you know, what, hold on. I just, it, it was hitting some some nerves. I can't do this. Touching some I can't triggers. Do this right now. Like yeah. people go through some real shit, and he doesn't really sugarcoat it. And not that it's gratuitous and violent, although there's violence in it. There are certain choices that he makes with the direction of how he paints his book that you can tell. Like this character is really going something. You can tell Sam's really going th- with something. And as we will probably talk about with the reader letters the community had been going through something when they got this book so okay well here's this well this is what we'll do we'll just go on the outside okay oh sorry yeah on the surface level the max is a super a superhero comic that's what that's what it looks like when you just kind of pass by a man in a big purple suit who jumps through dimensions right two dimensions um to to protect the his friend that on the surface is what it is. What you get when you read the Max is so much more than that, and so much more up to interpretation. That there is a there is a finite. I, I struggle to say this. I don't. I don't want to say there is a finite definition of what it, exactly it is, 
like when you read it, because there is a lot of things up to interpretation. Mm-hmm. What are the is? What are those mm-hmm. things? Why is there two different kinds? What like what is the purpose of the why is Mister Gone the way he mm-hmm. is? Not why, but why does he choose to do the things he does? Because half the book he's one way, half the book he's the next one, yeah. right? The villain. So it's there's a lot of different things, a lot of nuances, a lot of nuances, a lot of different colors, a lot of different dimensions, a lot of complexities. No character is yes. single dimension. Even the people that are thrown in for like a issue or two end up being pivotal to a character's struggles or something that they need to complete. Like everything seems to be for a reason, which is kind of shocking on the choices that he makes because there's certain choices that you think are abrupt and end up pulling out the rug from the readers. And you look back and you're like, well, maybe that's what he needed. He needed to have the readers feel not as safe that all your characters are going to be there the way that you want them to be there for you. Yeah. But like you said at the beginning, we are going to spoil the hell out of this book yep. because you can't talk about it without it. So if you haven't read the max, you don't want it to be spoiled don't listen yet come back to it when you have go read it go watch it because we're going to do the show and the, we're going to touch on the show too we're mainly going to focus on the comic and come back because we're going to spoil everything and like we said in on the i told you what it was on the surface mm-hmm. we told you what it was on the surface on the inside it is a superhero comic in a sense like an alt superhero comic where um the the, the main character, who is Julie Winters, Max, I would argue, is not the main character. Nope. I mean, I'd argue that she is, at least for the first 20 issues. And she is a sexual assault victim who creates a projection of, of, of a, th- a superhero, a thing, a person that can fight the fights she physically can't if that makes sense yeah she he's like a projection of her an avatar an avatar yeah of her mental distress to combat what she can't really fight right because he's fighting against things that she just doesn't have but and and then at the same time she kind of ends up in this state of mind that's kind of like very like victim blaming Mm -hmm. which is like crazy but then it's not really just how she presents because like i said there's a lot of issues that are very 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 deep they both very quickly uh build a codependent relationship with each other Mm -hmm. it both hinders and helps them heal and hurts them um piggybacking on your point max always enters her subconscious so that would show you that why she is the main character um you're walking through her life and how she encountered the max and max and Dave and all the names that he'll eventually come up with. Um, and for a long portion, she's Max's savior. She's the only one looking yep. out for this guy. Um, so it's easy to see her as the main character. Um, but she's flawed. And I like, well, I'll like we'll be talking about art in and out, but I really appreciate how Sam drew her because she's not kind of your prototypical 20 something like she's not oh, i love her design she's not yeah. drawn like bucks of me or like all put together like she's got some cellulite she's got a little belly she's got a style all, all of her own um she wears what she wants to wear um but she has personality that you can't change she looks like a lived in person and with scars yes but like with her mirrored against someone like the max who looks completely out of this world um she, she for me she stands out even more because 
she's trying to fit into a world where she knows she doesn't fit in and trying to heal off things that she I don't know fully comprehends everything that's happened to her and the choices she had to make this is very much a book about choices yes and she she's a she's a feminist social worker who dresses fairly provocatively like just kind of regularly like even in her she doesn't she's not your typical social worker like she gives I feel she gives very sound advice to um, people that we see her interact with, namely Sarah, mm-hmm. but she's, she's dressed like a, like a teenager at the same time. Mm-hmm. So it's like this, it's this interesting, but she doesn't play that up. Like she's just kind of like, that's just the way she, this is how I am. So deal with it type thing. <laughs> and like I said, victim blame me. Like, it's like, okay, well you were raped, suck it up kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, that's a heavy, like, that's a heavy, I keep, I keep chuckling like that, laughing, because when I, I, when I get uncomfortable, that's what I do. Yeah, we're going to be making, like, kind of inappropriate yeah, jokes so. just to kind of deal with yeah. how we will do that. heavy this is. Um, there's something said about, uh, usually victims are kind of mentally frozen in the age that they were traumatized. Mm-hmm. So, the fact that she was assaulted when she was a teenager, the fact that she's still kind of living out that sort of lifestyle and everything except for prof- professionally would kind of ring true um i don't know if we but she doesn't want she doesn't want that to define her right and that's that's what's correct so and, interesting and even in early issues she gets kind of harassed by the cops as she goes to bail out max again about like like uh this is how you dress like and uh like people are gonna start pushing up on you and like predators are gonna be looking for you and she's like yeah. it it doesn't matter what i wear like the fact that they're doing that is completely wrong right so yeah even early on, um, you see Sam kind of ha- hammering home that every character in this book that is a main character, he's going to care about. Um, whether or not you agree with how he cares about them, because we're going to have a whole like Mr. Gone conversation at some point. Um, oh, yeah, we will. We'll talk about everybody. Um, it, and she uses she uses her profession to, to, to build a wall around yeah. her. And being okay on the inside, but being vulnerable on the inside. Like, so, because she's different in both worlds right there's the, two, there's the, there's the real world and there's the outback mm-hmm. right and she's she's like i'm very okay on the outside but in the inside she's very vulnerable mm-hmm. because she's gone through a traumatic experience that you can't really just kind of snap away right and then on the other side you have the the max who's basically this punisher slash spawn slash roshark kind of character that that like is very very clean and very dependent on her and doesn't seem to really have a life outside of her and you un- you you learn why later on i don't know how much we should reveal about them now because we're building to it like that, yeah. yeah we're building to it but you don't really know understand like i'm like what does this guy do but he's he's homeless lives in a box so now you know what he does <laughs> doesn't it, it says in the intro yeah but it's kind of like he's got no family everyone's like why is he so dependent on julie um we can get into that. Let's we'll talk about all the characters first, and then we can kind of sure. get into that because it's that's we could the whole episode could just be about Max and he's angry and it, like he's he's would. constantly yeah. and the thing about which I totally appreciated about how he worked it out. Anytime they're in the outback, they think they're operating in a plane that's just of themselves, but it turns out they're still kind of living out in the real world. So things that Max is doing in the outback villains that he thinks he's beating up are actually like people in the real world that are getting fucked over. So you can see why he's very problematic, very fast and sort of down the line of their back and forth, things start to bleed from one world into the other. And that's really 
the genius of the book of like she can't contain everything in her head anymore like all these things start getting digged up and thrown out into the real world so she can face it and the outback we've talked about it a couple of times now it's an interesting spot because it's they call it the outback because it looks like the wilds of australia right and you're kind of like what is this mm-hmm. what is this dimension It seems to be a place, and you could you can um, change up the definition. But in in like trying to make it brief, it's kind of like a place that, like the me- your let's call your mental palace mm-hmm. of somebody who's been through a traumatic experience. It doesn't because not everybody has an outback, right? But everybody who has it is it's different, right? And so like the the unique thing about Julie and Max is that they share the same one. You you find out quickly, like fairly, that it's actually Julie's outback, and Max just can, and he's a part of it. Access to but it. yeah, he has access to it for some reason. And oh man, I was probably gonna say, but we're not quite sure at the beginning if the outback is the real world or it's the fake world, and if New York or the real city. Is the real world of the fake? Because they'd be like the thing is like the one of the early issues on Mister Gong kind of presents that it's like oh the outbacks actually the real right. world. Everything in the city is all fake. Like that's you. You are the protector, the hunter, and she's the the leopard queen or the jungle queen. Right? Yeah, which, which, that's real, and the city is the fake one. But then they keep going back to the city. And like you said, sometimes there are creatures or, or characters in the outback that like when they come to the real world or the city world. A human being replaces them. Yeah. It's like, oh. But, but like, what an interesting concept proposed by the person that you shouldn't trust at all. Like, your greatest enemy is, like, your best version of you is the real thing you should believe in, right? Like, believe in the most confident version of you in the most insane space where you can create the most things. And I'm supposed to trust this and then go back to the real world where, like, everything's shit. Like, none of these people are whole and living their best lives. Like, nobody here is happy for any moment and if they are it's usually just crushed by another character's reality um yeah and so we talked about we're talking about characters so we'll 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 try and stay on the the streamline of characters until we get through the main ones so mr gone a few times now um so he's the he's introduced as the book's villain main villain and he's he's Um, a stark kind of opening off that first issue that pilot issue is kind of insane yeah, he, yeah, he's introduced as a serial rapist yeah. with some sort of magic powers because he does have some sort of dangles in the dark arts and the mystic arts. Yeah, and some psychic yeah. abilities where he's, he's built up his mind to create. I don't know if he creates them as much as he can travel to other people's subconsciousness. It's more like he channel. Yeah, he's the he's got the ability to jump through people's outbacks, and he kind of channels the energy from those to make him kind of. Because he has like these magical powers where he can't really die, but he does. It's not like he. It's not like he comes back okay. It's like if you, he 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 keeps all like the damage he gets, mm-hmm. but he doesn't actually die. Right. So at one point he's just like a head. <laughs> <laughs> but at the beginning he's this very intimidating figure who just goes around and is raping young women, yeah. seemingly at random, and he's he's very creepy at the beginning, and he, he stays creepy, but he kind of changes his mind like half of the book. It's kind of like ah. I could help with, you know, I'm just going to fuck with these guys. Yeah. <laughs> and like, just for the sake of fucking with them, these guys being Julian Max. And then he kind of changes his tune halfway through and becomes a much more 
dynamic character. Yeah, off off of the twist of the realization of the connection between Gon and another of the titular characters, um, and mm-hmm. even with Julie, right? There's there's deep seated connections that characters have to literally like dig up from buried deep in their mind of why all these people keep circulating in their lives. I'll say to the character design, uh, Mr. Gon's much. Uh, created to look like leader and Max is kind of looking like Hulk. Like one is huge, big, bulky, burly, and kind of uh, intimidating. One is very lean, slender, long, but will fuck you with their mind, right? So I I, I appreciated to see that kind of uh, connection there because as soon as I saw Max, I was like, this reminds me of something. Then you see Pitt and you're like, oh, okay, that's Joe Fix-It. And then you see Gone and you're like, well, this has got to be leader because that's that's how that worked, right? If you have a big muscly guy, you need a big brain to battle that. And he's yeah, probably the biggest brain in this. And he controls, or he kind of, yeah, I guess he, he controls these little creatures called is. Is, is, yeah. And they're like these little gremlin-like things with no eyes they're, that are white in the outback, but black in the, in the city. And they kind of look like Mausers. They do. You're right. They look like Mausers with hands. And but they're not robots. robots yeah. uh, and in the in the city, they can take the shape of anything if they wear like the most ridiculous. If they put like sunglasses and a wig on, they look like old women. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> like to everybody but the Max. The Max is like what what is it? Yeah. So they kind of straddle that line between reality and and fantasy or not fantasy, reality and imagination. And like you're you're constantly playing with your own subconscious and conscious to try and figure out, is this real? Like, is this happening in mm-hmm. the world that they've created or is this happening in the subconscious of the world that they created? Like they keep blending the lines literally and figuratively. They keep breaking the lines. Nothing really like is on solid ground and it's constantly throwing you for a curve. And there's certain issues that are just inserted. They're like, this means nothing. And then you read the following issue. You're like, Oh fuck. Damn it. It means everything. I mean, it doesn't God, mean a lot. Yeah. Damn it. Um, so it's such a, like off cue and it the beauty of the book is how it's designed because it almost looks like it wasn't designed uh, and that's the strength to keith again not only did he write this story which is multi-layered and we're, we haven't even scratched the surface on it but the way it's drawn and the way that he decided to choose which angles and when to put in um silhouette and when to like break the entire page when to draw it down like when to like i can't for us to try and describe it doesn't do it justice because it helps lend for what the subject material is so much. Like it, you couldn't read this book and have it to be a straight laced nine panel per page comic book. It no. wouldn't hit the same. You're you're no. constantly in a fever dream reading this because I feel like you're you constantly feel like the max. Like you feel so powerful, but you you also feel like you're helpless and the outsider. Yeah, and and and, you need and help Sam, someone to fill you into everything. And Sam Key drip feeds you information about the story as it goes along, and it doesn't always make sense when it does come to you. Never. Like for example, like we'll get into um, the fourth. So let's get let's first. The, there's the fourth like main character right. in this, and that's Sarah James, and she's probably my favorite character. Really, in, in the book, I think so. Yeah, she's the most. I don't know something about her kind of. She gets the most attention. She does. Um, which is funny because she's the last one mm-hmm. introduced out of the four. But she, I don't know, something about her like stuck with me. I really, I really 
found her interesting. Do you want to, I was going to say I really liked her, but it's not that I liked her. But she is this. What's yeah, that? I was going to say, do you want to describe her and kind of the way that she yeah. lo- looked and drawn? She, she's this socially awkward, almost nihilistic character, like uh, like many others were ahead of her time, ahead of their time in this comic. But she's like she's not just this pretty schoolgirl. She's like this. She's kind of messy, dresses in baggy clothes, got the unkept hair, the big round glasses or whatever. Um, we learn along the way that we do learn along the way that I'm just going to drop the bomb now that she's actually the daughter of Mr. Gone. Mm-hmm. So you don't know that right away. And then you, you kind of you learn that she's the daughter of Mr. Gone, not through rape, by the way. Um, his relation to Julie and like Max is a bunny. So when I say that <laughs> there's a rabbit, that's why I made the the bunny joke at the beginning. Well, those that know, no, those said, that read have been like, ah, Yeah, and I said that now because I just got off of saying Sam Keith will drip feed you information and it doesn't always make sense. And we just drip, I just dropped some stuff on you that is like, oh, uh, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like that was, that's the whole point. That's like the max is almost every issue is kind of like, ah, okay, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> Who did what? Yeah, Max is a rabbit. What? How does that? What? How? Where is that? Mister Gone is Sarah's dad. What? So, because at one point he, he rapes her friend. Yeah, like her school friend. Early on, like this in the book, it's the first I think is the first one we see. We don't see it. We see him like corner this girl mm-hmm. in the laundromat, and it turns out being like Sarah's yeah. friend. Um. So it's this, it's this strange, it's weird. This book is weird as fuck and it's strange as hell, but it's so interesting and it's so powerful. Um, but you can see the the photo album of like the family connected. Sarah yeah. is the father of Mr. Gunn. Sarah is... Daughter. Sorry. Um, Sarah is the, I guess, the one getting social work from Julie. Um, and then when Max meets her, then he has this kind of paternal type of like i also need to take care of you because you're going through something as well so she ends up inevitably using max in her subconscious and use the avatar as a horse so like max yeah she gets her own she gets her own max that's right it is crazy because those connections alone are enough to make you think well why would these people want to keep hanging around each other knowing that so much trauma is bonding them but anyone that has been through drama knows that it's, it's those those ties that end up you make more like solid relationships with. It's it's the weird ones that end up staying with you longer. So they've created this kind of surrogate family of pushing each other to their limits to determine, can I heal from this? Or like, am I a victim to this? Can I stop this before it happens again? Or like, can I... Can I agree with the truth? Because the, like the whole arc when Sarah finds out who her father is and what her father's done, mm-hmm. like that's a few issues of just her just like, what the fuck? Coming to terms with it, yeah. Um, and those are just for main. Yeah, yeah. And then you realize that Julie has a childhood connection with Mister Gone too. And I was afraid that it's gonna, he it's was be nefarious. The, yeah. Yeah, and it's not. It's actually quite innocent. But it's he. You learn that he was friends with her father. So she basically called him uncle, like he was like uncle, yeah. uncle, right? So, and he he he's the one who plants the seed of Dale back in her head, based on his travels. And yeah, he lived in a based on his yeah, travels. Yeah, and you yeah you learn that he like kind of connected with these uh, Aboriginals in Australia that connected him to like the spirit 
realm, which is called, which is the Outback. And as he, as he goes on with his adventures after that, he kind of like spreads the word of the Outback. And it's not necessarily like he, whoever he tells now has access to it. And it's not that case. It's just kind of whoever he tells now has a understanding of what it, it would be because there's a split every, so everybody who has access to the Outback, there is a moment in time in their life that there's something happens and it kind of splits them mm-hmm. into the two, the two realms for Julie. It's the, tra- it's the trauma with the rabbit. Mm-hmm. And I won't get, I, I want to talk about that, but I wanted to, that's there's, its a, own there's thing, a way, though, yeah. there's a way I want yeah, to talk about it because I want to talk about our favorite issues yeah. and that's, that covers that. So instead of doing that right now, we'll just keep talking about yeah. in a generalized sense. And so there's this, this, this story is 35 issues, not that long, but a lot happens in it, especially the first 20. Cause it's, this, this should have been volume one, volume two. I don't understand. I'm not sure why they didn't market it that way. Cause the first 20, like when I got to issue 20, dude, I was like, wow, there's still 15 more of this. And it's like, no, there isn't. There's 15 more of this world, but this story is done. Mm-hmm. Julia Max's story concludes with 20 and then 21 to 35, which is a heartbreaker. Like we're underselling yeah. how crazy those first 20 issues are and how much you get connected with Julie for Sam to like pull the rug under us and be like, well, she's leaving now like fans were like what the fuck myself and i think co concluded because it changed the entire dynamic we had built ourselves on these four and her finding some sort of peace and some sort of finish and it doesn't really happen there it's like an unsettling departure and like that's one of my favorite issues because the entire issue is painted black and red right like it, it it's a red light like things change and they all expose each other for their relationships and how unhealthy they are and how they have to get away so like ultimately i appreciated the move that he made because essentially it's like killing off one of your characters yeah um but at the time like everyone was revolting because winters was like the queen of the jungle i mean she was Mm. the strong she was kind of the alpha and she was building back this level of like we're building her up to take down mr gone and at one point she's like i can't do it anymore so Mm -hmm. it's crazy but yeah, and then like I said, the issues twenty one to thirty five are more focused on Sarah and Mister Gone and kind of and their relationship and how Sarah gets her own Max. Mm-hmm. So it's like you said this because they're spirit animals yeah. essentially. The Maxes are spirit animals for people who are emotionally or mentally broken. Um, hers is a horse. Julie's was a rabbit, which is the max, but it's more complicated than that. It's <laughs> he's not just a rabbit. Yeah. He's he's a, his his creation. We'll, we we'll talk on in a little bit, but um, so it, it's split into two volumes essentially, and one twenty is the that's the that's the that's the the big one. That's the better that's the better half for sure. The, the back half does have a couple of my favorite issues, though, and it has some very strong stuff. It probably has my favorite issue the whole run in that. Which one are you going to say? It, it, sorry? Which one? This in the back half. What, what? We can talk about favorite. I have, I have seven. I, I, want, I just wanted the one that you were going to say that was in the back half that you thought was your favorite. That's probably mine. Oh, 26. I'm going to look it up for you. Origin of Mr. Gun. Yeah. This is amazing. Amazing. It's like a run on its own. Uh, I wrote down. Do you want to talk about favorite issues? Uh, no, I want to give more about what's going on. Okay. In this world first. 
Uh, and the second half does have a character named Steve, too, who Dank actually loves. <laughs> so, I don't know. I think it's his favorite. <laughs> That's the only pure laugh you're gonna get in this episode. <laughs> He's like this this deadbeat telekine- telekinetic roommate friend who <laughs> she has who has Sarah has to need to care for. Who he like because he, she has this Sarah has this need to like care for people that dump on her, and he just constantly dumps on her. And her, we talked about. Oh man, oh, so many things to talk about. Uh, because for Sarah, she has her own outback and she has her own Max. And her split, oh, it's come from an issue too. This is one of my favorite issues. We'll tell them what the issue is. Okay, so well, we'll start. Okay, I have seven. We're gonna talk about issues. Okay, yeah. we're gonna talk yeah, about issues. Written, you ready to talk about yeah, issues? I, mean, I have seven written down that are like. Do you have any like listed that you have? Yeah, I, I wrote two really fast because I didn't know this two. One. Okay, that was one of the, good. And, on, then, so I, and then like two that I'm thinking in my head. I just have to find the numbers of, but we'll probably have overlap at some point. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I was just going to ask you which numbers they are. Uh, number five, which is the okay. complete, like, it's all Max in the subconscious of yep. Julie, but it's going to the deep levels. So it starts yep. off animated yeah, and yeah. keeps getting more animated and more. It eventually turns into, like, uh, yeah. Calvin and Hobbes. I was going to say, I was going to say, just give me the number because oh, I want to see if we have any, if we have any five, crossover and then we'll get to 18, that. 20. Um, and then the one that was about... What's her name? Not Margaret. What's the Heather? No. The slug one's good too. Tilly? Not Tilly. It's the back half. Uh, where like Julie's telling the story about this other girl, which I think it's Julie. Jill? Is it Jill? Jill. Well, she's yeah, in high school, the fourteen year old. Julie's fake Julie's fake name is Jill. Like she takes okay. anyways, I So I like that one. So that you were like five, eighteen, and twenty. So, t- 20, so for me, twenty six is. Yeah, twenty six is there too. That's the that's okay. the way I had that written down. Yeah. So what I've written down is number three, number four, number ten, number thirteen, number twenty, number twenty six, and number twenty eight. Yeah. Coke stack the deck on me. Sorry, Coke stack the deck on me and didn't tell me pick your favorites. So now I'm feverishly. No, I didn't. But I was. I was what I was going to use these as. I'm, I'm just being open. Is conversate like conversation topics. That's why I wanted to ask. What yours were. So if you have number five, then you can take the lead on that. And then number um, 18, right? 17. 17, whatever. And again, the first issues. So we'll get insane, to like, so. Because you're not yeah, the, anything you're getting from that first issue. But we're not, the, the point is, I didn't, we're not going to go through every, all 35 issues beat by beat because it's insane. And plus, you need to experience it yourself. But we will talk about our favorite ones. Uh, so the, the, the We'll start with my number three. Uh, before you even get started, I don't know if you could talk about this beat by beat because it doesn't really no. play out that way. Like we have to amalgamate storylines because you don't get the full conclusion of stuff till twenties and like thirties if you've been paying attention. And then there's just nuggets that he drops that you think like fall off, and you're just like, I really like the way that he did this one thing over here. Um, and even now, I'm we're not going to go through exact like every step of this issue. We just want to talk about the general idea of what it is number three. Uh, Julie, and specifically the closing pages where she's talking to the Max in the real world Mm -hmm. about how victimized people need to toughen up. But then in the outback, she's by herself and she's like reflecting on her past and she ends up like crying in the dark, like holding her head. And this ending is so powerful. This is, is, I think it was the first time in the book I was like, damn. 
because the way it's drawn, they have like Max and Julie just like he's just clipping her toenails, right? I actually used that that image as the cover for this episode. Right. Nice, because it's a powerful. It's a powerful shot, and, and like, uh, like a whole depressed. trope, right? Like they, yes, like you can. You see their connection. Like she's, he's catering to her, and she's kind of at most peace. Nonchalant about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, she's like nonchalant about it. But they both look depressed because they're not happy people. And then you see, they just you see the parallels of that. How that comes back with the feet with Mister Gone and kind of his story with Sarah as well. So I thought that was interesting. Yeah, but the but the the paneling is like it'll show an area like it just shows. A panel of the outback and like the hut that um julie's in and it kind of keeps zooming in and zooming in while julie and max are having a conversation in the real world and they're talking about you know how she hate like i hate whining and professional victims all day long you hear sob stories blah 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 and they need to cope and blah blah like she's just really being like this tough hard-skinned individual and then you can, and then she's going on about it, and you get the introspective look of Max. And he's kind of like this woman used her position to build a wall around herself, right. and she helps people by controlling them, you know, hoping to smother her own pain. And so you have her talking; he's thinking, not not out loud. He's thinking this to himself, and she's going off, and he's like, you know, he's trying to make the case for the rape victim like it's like you know it's not it's not anybody like it's not it's the victim's fault they get raped and raped and stuff and she's kind of she's going you know what, just save it okay i don't care what you get to think and then while they're doing this they're having this conversation the panel in the background is her in the outback and they keep zooming in on that hut keep zooming in on the hut mm-hmm. and she's just in the shadows it's really really powerful and she's all huddled up with her arms across her face and you just see like single tears coming down her down her her face while in the real world they end up getting into this this part of the conversation where she's like you know what i'm just gonna be just fine and nobody needs to worry about me and then at the same time she's crying and i was like holy that's powerful imagery it's powerful writing powerful imagery and you can you really get to see there's almost three different things going on right there it's not almost there's three different things going on there where max is kind of psychoanalyzing her in his head she's kind of she's doing the you get the two sides of julie at the same time where she's vulnerable and you can tell she's hurt of course she's hurt she's damaged in the outback and then in the in the city she's in the real world she's kind of just well whatever i don't care i'm fine i don't need anybody's help victims don't need anybody's help they just need to pick their socks up and i don't know that that was that issue that's issue number three too and i was like it hit me like a wall. I was like, God damn, this is this book is heavy. Like this writing is powerful. So to me, that's that's just easily like one of the most memorable memorable issues for me. So piggybacking off your number four, I go to number five, which is... uh, so that's number three. That was so, number three. Number number here's, four. Here's your number four. Yeah. So number four. Three, three, four, five is the heart of this album. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so number four is the introduction to Sarah. Yeah. And they don't introduce you to her and just go, Oh, here's this girl. <laughs> like they just, they, they, when I say they, I mean, Sam Keith just and dumps it all out the other creators that had parts in this, but it's namely Keith. And that goes into God, her, her school life, her depression, her suicidal thoughts, 
Yeah, that's um, the issue with like the school dance and how like this yes. dude asks her and he says she says yes and he only asks her so he can make fun of her and be popular yeah. with all the cool kids. Well, he 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 like he basically gets her to he he tricks her into like fucking him yeah. in at the school dance, and then while she's like you know half naked or whatever ready to take it, he like opens the door and lets all the kids in and starts laughing at her because they get to see her naked body because she's not built like a felt small little feminine figure she's a bit more she's going through her awkward phase as a teenager she's going through awkward phase yeah she's going through awkward phases she's not quite she's not she's beautiful in her own way but it's just but she's a teenager so you remember what it was like you're gawky even if you you thought you were studying in your head you're like i'm the worst version of me and this one it's playing out both physically through the pen and mentally through the word bubbling and the conversation that they have her and this boy that they like, I can't remember his name, Jimmy. Um, it's like, he's kind of like, listen, I'm sorry. I just had to. Cause it's like, it's basically like sink or swim. Like it's, if it's not you, it's me. And I can't, I can't have them. I'm the shortest guy in school. I can't have them laughing at me. So like, I still like you. Can we still be friends? And she's just kind of like, whatever. And she's just basically, I think he was, that's her splitting point, as far as I'm concerned, because he was her last connection um, to like staying in this human world. hope. Yeah, yeah. And she kind of even—I don't want to say empathize for lack of better words. She's like, yeah, in your like, she kind of like plays him off to be like, yeah, in your situation, I'd probably do the same thing, right? So she was full of shit. She can laugh she, it off. Yeah. But, I mean, she's trying to put on her best face in a in a situation where you shouldn't. You, I mean, it's fucked up, no matter how you slice it. Yeah, and the guy's like, I even that one part. He's like, you understand, right? Yeah. She's like, yeah. Ha ha ha! Like fake laugh to like placate and move on. And then that's cut with like shots of her, like because she has a gun too, right? So she's playing with the suicidal thoughts. This is what, and those are the panels where it's they're having the conversation. Their silhouettes are having a conversation, and it's spliced with panels of her finger on this trigger. And it's like, what is she doing? Is that is she gonna shoot herself? Is she gonna shoot him? Mm-hmm. Eventually, she takes her finger off the trigger because. She has suicidal thoughts, but she's not quite fully suicidal, but she's almost there, right? right? That's just, point. yeah, and it's that issue again. So I just, you get off issue three with the jewelry stuff, and then you go right into this one, and it's, holy shit. And there's the, there's the car scene at the end where everything kind of, yeah. because there's some action and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you forget there's still, like, kind of superhero battles and, like, evildoers here, when this is way more of a character study and, like, yeah, an arc analysis and kind of uh, uh, understanding of like I'm going through real shit in real time, and still trying to heal stuff that's happening in my previous life. But I'm on a like a a collision course for whatever's happening. You can see that all these characters are headed to one specific spot on the map. You just don't know what it is. And again, leaving four, you get into well, I like the, the ending. I just want to read the one Go little part it. about four is Max and Sarah talking and. Sarah almost she has a gun to her at one point after a f- there's a car there's an action scene with cars and is is and stuff and Sarah's like got the gun to her head and she's like you know what like fuck it I'm not gonna do it and then she's like that's why this story doesn't work because I don't I just don't buy it I don't buy into like this life and I think Julie says nobody buys it that's not why you should go on she's like why then She's like, because things will change, you'll change. She's like, what about right now? And she's like, right now, you wait. And that's 
that's that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like, it's not happy. It's not positive. It's just kind of, it's advice. This, it's realistic. This is the reality right? of life and where you are in it. Yeah. Um, but now you want to talk about five. Well, I'm just, a, I think Keith's a master of the mislead because he's constantly giving you issues and kind of different artwork that you don't know is connected to what is actually going on. So in the fifth one, it's Max really going deep into Julie's subconscious. And the art style is very cartoony. Like it almost looks like the first one is like a, like a, those breakfast sugary cereal cartoons. Yeah. And you think it's all happy and funny and, and, but like you, the dialogue and what's actually happening, you, you find that Max is peeling back layers and going into deeper parts of Julie's subconscious that she normally hasn't gone. The genius is it gets more cartoony and more kind of juvenile as you get to the point of the realization of that uh, issue. Um, he leaves that cartoony world and then goes to where Julius, I was talking about earlier, where she kind of looks like it looks like a Calvin and Hobbes uh, comic strip. Yeah, yeah. And it's just the 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 kind of like the youngest version of herself, and she like she has the warning of like nobody goes here, you shouldn't be here. Like even Max is dead there, like he's just a skull. Um, so everything gets resorted and that, that's where you get like all these nuggets of truth to be like, this what Juby's going through. Like, goddamn. Um, and those are the ones that like take me, like punch me off how I'm reading it. Because again, you're reading it one way and you, we had just come out of talking about Sarah. So you're, you're very much in the mentality of like this poor girl and like, how's she going to handle this now? But the way that this book is written, like it, you're constantly breaking the reality and like they're all in crisis and you see the different ways that they're handling it so julian crisis is her in her mind and it's fracturing as she's trying to figure out the connection that she has with max and then dealing with all of her trauma that's now coming back to the surface so like i love their connection because it's so codependent but it's so not healthy for them so ultimately Mm, it's toxic ultimately when we get to the choices that they make of like we can't be in each other's lives you see why it just hurts because you've gone on that journey with them for so long to be like, you guys need each other. And like, that's some of the nitpicks that I have in later issues is someone that kind of gets undone when they bring Julie back and how she comes back and her choices that she made. But this is a book that doesn't shy away from ugly. So I feel like even in the mistakes that he may have, we, we, the reader may have thought he meant he made, it's more true to life than it would be a polished comic book where Superman shows up at the end and saves the day. Like the Max is so of the real world, but isn't because they play so much in the subconscious, but that's more true to form than anything else. Like, you know how many people that have just kind of snapped in their mind and they go to their, that place and you can kind of see it in their eyes when they go to that place and they're living in their own outback. So, that issue, and then the the next issue after that is where like Max fight that shark dude. Oh yeah, yeah, and, like, yeah. That's yeah. like a that's uh, kind of a, Mako. yeah, Mako. Like, it's kind of a fun issue, and it goes back to what you initially thought this comic book was going to be, like this big purple Hulk dude fighting big monsters. But like, it's not. And he's a villain. He's he's a villain from Savage Dragon. And Savage Dragon, be- like that's one of the first cameos yeah. that you get in this, right? So you get the image connection well, there. I believe that was. Forced. I don't don't quote me on that. I believe that was kind of like a forced tie-in crossover. Yeah. Like you have you you're trying to put some more image because this is when image is brand new. It was ninety three, right? So I don't think it this book. I don't think it hurts this, the comment. I definitely think no. it gives it more teeth and like it gives Max because if Max was just like this hulking dude that was 
only playing in the outback and like didn't really have any foes, it wouldn't hit the same. Like he kind of needs these sub bosses to just throw his muscle around as everyone else in his life is like, you can't live this way. Like you can't just be punching people in the streets. Um, That's a crazy run of issues though, right? Three, four, five, six, just like that. So very different, but so very powerful and and deep. And if you didn't have any of those in that order, it wouldn't impact. Like you, you don't care about the characters the same way. You don't, you don't get that issue for. Yeah. Which then, which then brings me to uh, the next issue I want to talk about is number 10. And that's about uh, Julie's childhood, mm-hmm. basically about her mental split, like when her outback was create was was started. Really, uh, the dying rabbit, her take charge, and her take charge mother. Those are like the big themes or points of interest in that issue. And it's she's kind of she's contemplating. I know Mister Gone is like being operated on in that in that <laughs> yeah, one, he, and he he's the one who actually tells about her childhood and how Explains the rabbit story and like what it was. Yeah. Yeah. She finds this dead rat or this dying rabbit and keeps it under her bed in a box. And it's constantly like scratching, scratching like fighting and... for its life and like waking her up in the middle of the night kind of stuff. Yeah. And she just kind of rides with it because she wants something that's her own. Right. Eventually her mother, her, yeah, her mother's like the, she's the, She's the doer in the family, right? They find this box because they can't. All they can hear is the scratch, 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 and her mother basically puts an end to that, to the rabbit's misery by killing him in like the garage, like a shovel, just bang and like decapitates it, kind of thing. Yeah, so puts it in misery, right? Because they put it kind of shit. Yeah, yeah, and Julie is just. Mentally just just destroyed. Because like she's drawn like looking through the doorway of the garage as it happens. So like that's not a little girl's memory. She shouldn't be there for when that unfolds, but No. And it's this it's this 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 rabbit that she so desperately wants to have and be you know to care for and to keep and to make her own. She wants something to call her own. And then her mom's like, nah, nah, man, this thing's dying. Like, you can't just, this is cruel. You can't just keep it. So she kills it. And, you know, that's, that's when the outback starts. That's when, that's why the rabbit becomes her spirit animal mm-hmm. and all that. And I think it's a very, we could talk about this issue forever, but I don't know if we're, we're going to, we're going to do that. But it, there's a deep analysis of herself as a character and how she learns to bury her emotions. Cause she's just kind of like, all right, well. Do you think that's a, you know, a literal and figurative? Like when she buried the bunny, she buried the emotion uh, uh, yeah. tied to that? Yeah. Like that, you know, mo- mommy just fixes everything and she takes care of it, right? And that's that. And now we don't have to talk about it. Mm-hmm. She just makes it disappear. We don't have to talk about it. And that's that's it. We don't have to talk about anything. We just do it and then bury it. And it's gone now. Out of, out of, out of screen, out of mind. Yeah. And then you learn the ability to like to suppress and to submerge and just go, all right, that's that. I'm just going to bury my emotions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And, and nobody's ever going to know about it. And I'm never going to talk about it. And they're just going to fester inside of me and, you know, fuck it. It's like, it's like, damn. Another powerful, powerful issue. Um, 
After that, number 13 was another one where there's there's basically three stories. It's Sarah and how she wants the world to see her. Oh, nice. It's the grandpa, uh, one, right? Issues with her. Yes. Issues with her dad, right? That stuff. Then there's Jill on the run because uh, Julia left. And they introduce you to this, this character named Jill. You, who's Julie? Do you want to talk about Julie feet, leaving yeah. at all? Or actually, we, I, we can, I, we can, but let me just. Julie, fair, so I have more. There's, to, there's, I have more to say about her coming back. Actually, than leaving. Okay, so there's Sarah and how she wants the world to see her and issues with her dad. Then there's the Jill on the run, doing crimes and having sex like in a loop. And then there's the Sarah Grandpa in the psych ward after his after his wife died, and he's trying to reach his spaceship, which is his passage to Pangea or his, his passage to the outback. Right. There's a lot going on for one issue (laughs) a lot going on but it's very very interesting very interesting because like you said uh julie does leave at one point she's just i can't do this she's just had she's just had enough of max leaning on her and being so goddamn clingy independent she's like i can't like this is nuts it's not healthy and i think like kicking up all the trauma like all the stuff she had learned to bury deep is now coming to the surface and she's not fully capable as she thought she was like it's that, that's hard work being a social worker taking on other people's problems but that also means you have to take a deep look at your own problems in order to be in a place where you're comfortable to help the next person you can't be an empath and still be falling apart like that's gonna yeah. destroy you so ultimately you understand the move but again as a reader and you can imagine going month to month with this just to have julie leave you're just like what what happens next that was an interesting. That was an interesting and sudden um, decision. I kind of liked it. It makes sense in the long run, and like the and it changes it changes the status quo really quickly. Yes. It's like, oh wow, okay, now he's got it. It's basically like her her mom getting rid of the rabbit and telling her to kind of like not telling her, but suggesting that she toughens up. She's doing the same thing to the max. But like, I'm cutting off this relationship. Deal with it. But that's that's the reason why I love like issue fourteen so much because you get to see Max in Sarah's subconscious and who she uses him as an avatar is as the horse, so you get to see like her world and like in terms of her outback, it's more like her playroom. So she's playing with like dolls and like horses and like right. different yeah. like quilts and everything. Like she has set up her outback as this big fort blanket to protect her as when she was a little girl, and you get to see how quickly like Max makes. Or builds a codependency to her that when they wake up, like they're in the same bed and like, yeah, it, it's nothing like sexual. It's all like I need, like you're kind of my stuffed animal, Max. Like I need you. Like I have to hug and sleep with you and like be around you. But like that entire issue is just going through all the stuff that Sarah's been going on and just scratching the surface of it and how quick Max is like, I have to save you. So like, Max has this hero complex where he needs mm-hmm. to save because he yep. he doesn't think he can do anything right. Um, they also touch on Sarah's connection with her mother, who like also feels like she abandoned her, and you see the reasons why she abandoned her in later issues when you find out with Gone and all that stuff. But the killer for this issue was Julie shows up at the end, and she's yeah. pregnant, and I was like, "Damn! Like, what a punch to the fucking face!" To like remove the character is one thing, bring her back so quickly is another. But then like. The choice to be like, well, now she just got knocked up. Like I, the next few issues, like I didn't appreciate it much because I was upset with the decision of what the character Julie did with her life. 
Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you it's you're not mad at the writing, you're just mad at the decision that she made, right? So it's kinda like, what are you doing? Yes. And it, it is weird. And and then she comes back and she immediately kind of casts this glance of blame on them because she catches them in bed. She's like, What are you doing? I'm yeah. not doing anything. Yeah. They're just sleeping, yeah. but it looks weird. And she just came back from this uh I don't know what you want to journey. Yeah, walk about, like walk, walk about of, kind of uh, of banging all these people to get what she I wants. Like this is the one part with Toronto. Yeah, 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 yeah. like you're in Toronto where you ride these mounties, then you ride their horses <laughs> yeah. out of there. Like what? And it's like she's like, yeah, well, I need to get. So she becomes this whole character where she just throws all caution to the wind and goes, "Fuck it, I don't care. I'm going to use sex." To get whatever I want. So that that took nothing. me out a bit. That seemed out of character for everything that he had been writing Very. for Julie, and that seemed like he, like a rash decision. I don't know if he was lashing back out on fans or something was going on in his life, but it seems so out of character for everything we knew about Julie. She even comes back with red hair. Yeah. So it's almost like a completely new, different new character. So it'd be interesting to find out if that was a purposeful choice, like he always knew this was going to happen, or he's just like, I need to shake it up. And what's the craziest thing I could do with Julie? It's kind of make her a mother I, with all of I think her. I remember. Issues. I think I remember fans. I think I remember fans freaking out about her leaving. Yeah. It was a, so it I, was a big thing, man. So he like I think he brought her back. I don't know if it was always the intention though, and I don't know if I'm just talking to my ass either. Like because I've read a lot about this thing, and then some things I wrote down, something I didn't, because there's a lot of conjecture where it's like, oh yeah, he did this, but it's not really officially from Sam. So I'm like, I don't know. But it, like it, it seemed like such a knee jerk reaction because she had only left. She had left like what two issues ago. Yeah, she she came back faster than than I. I if he so it's almost like blowback and like the way that she yeah. came back it was just like take this fans now you have to deal with this. It's like no. And that's exactly actually what what's interesting <sighs> is because you talked about the 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 comment section. Excuse me, the letter section in the back. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what Sam Keith would do. Yeah. You know what? Fuck you guys. I'm going to bring her back pregnant. <laughs> do you want to talk about the letter section now? Like, we'll just do a little. No, I want to get into these issues. Okay. Then we can, we can, we can talk. There's, there's so much in this book. That's why you, we can literally go on a tangent on anything and spend like a good 15, 20 minutes talking about it because. You want to talk about. Sorry. You want to talk about number 17, right? Was that number 17 you just talked about? Let me pull it up. I do. We're coming back. Uh, because there is her, the whole, there is the whole is 14 that Sarah's, uh, okay 17 is uh, that's the that's right, you have to get there right now but there's because in 13 there's still the stuff do you want to talk about the grandpa it's very it's very brief but it is kind of and that was a weird in- like I thought that was a weird inclusion but then it just helped build out who Sarah's family is and the fact that yes. like, all these guys are kind of playing on this plane whether I, yeah. it was not whether or not it was because of gone or they had already kind of known this before gone mr gone kind of thing um mm. for me it pays off until the like last few issues where gone starts teaching them all how to get there and his yeah. his whole fucking storage locker shit and i was like god damn like it's too it's dense um but yeah you can talk about more about grandfather we can i'm gonna say it's, it's it's just it's this old it's her grandfather and like this old home and he keeps trying to leave to um to find the spaceship mm-hmm. and at one point he does and he puts his head through the portal to pangea or the outback sorry outback is also called pangea i don't think we mentioned that and i don't know it's it's interesting because he's kind of chasing this this dream while sarah's having this like crisis about this whole issue is like her inner monologue about how you know, nobody else ever looks like she's never found someone who looks like her. Right. And she doesn't want to be the good girl. She doesn't want to be the just want to be the victim girl. She just kind of wants to be 
herself and how her mom thinks she's a burden and you know she's she's actually low-key pissed that julie just left because she julie she gets there her best friend right so it's it's very much a picking up the pieces issue mm-hmm. that's, a, that's a few of these issues in this section because yeah. i was going you're right they're like they're like soft resets almost. and like 17 seems to be like the blowback is julie came back pregnant but this is how he explains it to the readers because max and julie both go back to her outback and it's completely different it's with the it's like the the sea of skulls of isis and like max is like this used to be lush and beautiful and green and like back in the real world julie's huddled over a toilet and like having morning sickness so in the pangea outback like they find this pool of water and they talk around that and you get like all this about like the choices that julie made in the real world affected her subconscious or her her outback and now these are all the ramifications like the goddess queen that she was you it's harder to find her you have to like break through certain walls down there's like one last isis who like i guess turns out to be a connection for like the back half of the issues for how that works out um but i just i love anytime they go to the outback and anytime it changes drastically it's always a good conversation of like what this person is actually going through mentally, not necessarily what's happening with your eyes. So like for me, that was like a mind fuck issue in terms of like, it seemed like Sam Keith was like explaining, I took her away. I brought her back. And like, here's the rationale of like, now she's back. It's different, but like, it's kind of the same and like the reflections of the water. So I, I like that issue. But again, I was still upset from three issues ago. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, 17 is a good one, too. Uh, which brings us to, you know, number 20. Maybe maybe the best one in the, the run. It's up there. Yeah, it's the first ending, quote-unquote. And we learn all about the truth of the situation built on previous issues and stories. So kind of everything culminates together. And when you read it, when the first time I read it, I didn't realize this was the end. <laughs> so I was like, wow, they're just really clipping along here. But it looks completely different. Like, the, it's, it's yeah. void of all the color that every other issue has. It's basically red and black completely. It looks like an outro, an exit sign, writing on the wall. And then they actually say it, and you're like, oh, shit, writing's on the wall. But you don't know if it's real because they had already flirted with Julie leaving a couple times before. Yeah, and and the Max is kind of just accepted. He's like, you know, just do what you want. Like, fuck it, I don't care. Mm-hmm. Like, I've stopped caring. I'm, I don't want to be that guy anymore. And yeah, it's it's really cool. You, you we learned about how the rabbit is Julie's spirit animal, and the death of the bunny as a child was the point in her life where the split, the world split, like we talked about. Um, so her her backstory is she was attacked in college, and when she thought it was going to happen again, she freaks out. So she, yeah, in college she was raped, right? Mm-hmm. We don't know by who. Doesn't matter. I don't think we, we don't say Mr. Gong. It doesn't really matter who it was. It just the matter the fact is that it happened, and, and it, it was a homeless person. It was a homeless person. Yes. Like she got she got suckered into it, right? Like someone said they were broken by down by the side of the road or whatever. And she, yeah. Her giving nature, she went to go. See what was it, and then she got trapped. Thank you. And she got trapped and, and and sexually assaulted. So when she's a bit older and she's driving around, she's a, she's another homeless person. She freaks out and just and floors through. <laughs> hits and run, yeah, yeah, hit and run. And when she hits it, it turns out to be the Max, whose real name we learn is Dave. 
just so like underwhelming, but that it fits perfectly for this book. And so she hits him and he kind of ends up in this alley. And in this alley is where things get weird. And I can't believe Sam Keith thought, could you imagine writing this? Like you no. thought of this. No, it's such a complication of the rules of his own world that it's like, it blew my mind. So he is, he ends up in this, in this alleyway and in this alleyway, there's a portal there's a door to the outback to ju- and that Mr. Gon set up like Mr. Gon's yeah, working on his powers previously. and he figures out, okay, I can get into Julie and I can get into this alleyway. It's just happenstance. So he's, yeah, he's, it's he's, a complete happenstance. And so what happens around. is when her spirit animal tries to come out, like, so this lamp that he's leaning against, so I'm jumping over the place. I'm trying to say it. Yeah, yeah, going no, go for it. This lamp that he's, leaning against this lampshade falls into the outback the outback okay so this lampshade's purple and yellow it's very obvious like loud mm-hmm. lampshades purple and yellow ends up in Pangea, and i guess that kind of gets the magic on it right and somehow the spirit of the of her spirit animal is on this lampshade that when it comes back into the real world it lands on Max and it sticks to him yeah. and becomes his new suit. And so his whole existence is an accident. And I know this sounds weird and it's complicated because it is, but the suit has the spirit animal like Im- energy on embedded, it. Yeah. Because it's embedded in it. Sarah's open. And that's what binds him to the rabbit and to Julie. So sometimes he's a rabbit, sometimes he's just Dave. But he's always he's bound to Julie, and that's why he's exclusively able to get into her outback constantly. Mr. Gong can get to anybody's outback because he's like this wizard, right? But <laughs> quote unquote wizard. Dark wizard, dark but, wizard. But he out but Max has no outback. His outback is Julie's because he's intertwined with her all due to this freak accent. Yeah, I, like, I, I, I want to believe that when weird. he was subconscious, when he got hit, his subconscious found her subconscious because she was the first. Basically, time. yeah. Like, uh, there's something about your mind opens to hear more things when you're not physically conscious. So yep. that crossover was crazy. Um, and then jumping ahead a little bit, I loved when they kind of revamp gone, and he's like, "Hey, man, maybe put on the suit," because Dave shows up. Like Max doesn't come back in the later issues, and he gives him the yeah. suit. But the suit fits as it would as a lampshade and just like a weird purple suit. And it doesn't look the yeah. same. And I completely appreciated those issues more because it made me think, like, did we ever really see Max of how we truly wanted to be seen? Or like, was no. this always a figment of our imagination? Or like, was he actually just running around in a lampshade and they just made it look better? To the point yeah, that don't know. at one point, Gone comes is like, like snaps his fingers and does something, and then like the suit finally like fits to him and turns back to the old mask. I was like, these guys are way more connected than I would ever want them to be. So I hate it, but I kind of love it. Like it's great for storytelling. Yeah, that's the thing, and it's kind of like you're talking about. You don't know what's real in this world or what's not. So how do the other characters see him? Do they, like you said, they see him in just a guy with a lampshade on his head? Yeah. Or do they see him the way we see him? Which is insane because a lot of times he presents himself with a with a big trench coat on. Yeah, and so and even just... later he comes back in like a like a shrouded hood and everything. Like he has a couple of yeah. different iterations that would, I guess would be amazing toys for collectors. 
Um, yeah. 20 leads to 20 is a logical end. If the, yes. if the run stopped there, I'd been satisfied. And I don't know about satisfied, but I'd be like, this was a complete works. Uh, I'm happy that this exists, even though it's unsettling and weird. And I, I don't know if I understand everything that's going on in it. 21 is kind of like a soft reboot yeah. to the point that he brings in swell, swell dialogue, quote unquote, swell dialogue by Alan Moore. What did you think about this issue? Because it's definitely not a favorite of mine, but I feel like if we don't talk about it, we're not doing the run service. This is a hard issue to read. And it's a hard issue to read, not because it's it's poorly written, but because the book's done. Yeah. Right? And this feels like a one-off, which is very Alan Moore. So the, the, the style of writing, no, no disrespect to Alan Moore, but he has a very distinct style, which is very... What do we see in the, in the in our? If you want to listen to our uh, Hall of Fame episodes, number fifty, way back number fifty two, we do we talk about Alan Moore, every book he's written yes. and and the, every movie that was based off of. But he's a he's very we say verbose, <laughs> yeah, Lee, yeah, amazing book, not so good movie, but he's very verbose and it's a lot wordy. So this whole style change. So not only is it kind of an in between between the volumes, but it's also written differently than the past 20 issues so it's a difficult if you're reading this all together it's a very difficult issue to to read they bring in the agents which i don't think work and it's yeah yeah i didn't like that um but it's very central focus to where sarah is and how sarah's living now yeah and like even more depressing than sarah's life has currently been because like constantly the art style changes and like the pen work and by art styling i mean like the actual like faces of how characters were looking like he decided to go a completely different style this one is uh, like day and night like sarah looks kind of like an old woman and like beaten down and like haggard by life and it's just uh you feel for her and then again you get a roommate which apparently is my favorite character um and (laughs) the fact that they're living in that trailer right so like this is it's an outlier but the setup for what Sarah's going to be doing in the next kind of 10 issues is kind of insane because Sarah goes on the, the craziest adventure that's not excellent. Uh, it's a little bogus. Shout out to Bill and Zed. I, I like that. Uh, yeah, it's... That's why in the first 20 issues I had, what, how many favorite, how many standard issues? One, two, three, four, five in the first 20, and you had a, you had a few too. In the back 15, I only have two that I really want to talk about. Um, before you get to your two, I want to talk about... Wait, I have 24 as my next favorite. Do you have one before? No, nope, 26, 28. So 24 is the... F- I think in 23, you get the slug Iago, if that's the right name for it. Yeah, Iago, yeah, weird. In 24, you kind of get the realization of what that slug is in the whole pure motif and the piranhas and the fact that Sarah is charged with creating Iago and the slug has a hit list of all the people it needs to kill. So Sarah has manifested a villain not only to come destroy herself, but like Julie and all the people that have wronged her down the past. But I love the whole trade-off of, like, she's just sitting on a dock trying to make peace with her life after getting the urn of her grandfather's ashes or her father's ashes and makes a terrible decision, kicks it into the ocean, which comes back to bite her a little bit later. And yeah. then a giant slug in this world just starts slithering down the dock and she starts freaking out. And the entire book is about her processing whether or not this is real whether or not she should give in to the slug, whether or not she should fight to get away from the slug, 
but then now she should just drown. Like she's constantly like suffering in the weight of her decisions and whether or not she should press forward in her life or like quit. And at the end of it, she kind of feels like she discovers that she's powerful to the point that like her hand starts glowing. And she, yeah, th- this is kind of the turning point of Sarah. Of, like she figures out she's way more stronger than anyone would have her believe that she destroys the dock. And then she, I guess, confronts her father, like Mr. Gon's back in her life. This is the stuff that started throwing me for the loop. Because when we last saw Gon, he was just eyes and like half a head. And like Julia yeah. decapitated him out of her outback. But he wasn't really dead. But And then he was in prison for a little bit. Yeah. And then she goes to meet him. And I guess he's out of prison because now they're living in the trailer. Yeah. And so like you just know a whole additional can of worms is about to be unloaded on this poor child as a, okay so what what they talk about here is that not not necessarily this issue i don't believe i don't know which issue is it, it could be this issue but where the former version of mr gon was just an astral projection okay. of his evil side so it was almost like an evil mr gon whether you choose to believe that or not up to the reader's choice also it's kind of but kind of a cop-out based on everything it is a cop-out yeah i agree but it, it was like okay it's it's kind of like how can we redeem this character yeah. well let's say that this but then at the same time it's kind of like can, maybe he was just lying yeah. and he just recreated himself anyways but that version <coughs> that's me was just a projection of his evil side and that's why in this one he's wearing like a cardigan <laughs> and like <laughs> and jeans and he's just kind of talking to Sarah, he's really trying to trying to uh, patch things up with Sarah. What a bold choice to try and halfway through your comic turn your hold on. And what a bold move for Keith to take to to turn your most hated villain into kind of like a hero and a teacher and a mentor like halfway yeah. through because yeah. up to that point he was vile. Of all the things he yeah. did, so yeah. I don't know if that was intentionally planned, but as a way to get to talk about Mr. Gon's traumas, what a what a touch! Yeah, yeah. And for the record, I think Mr. Gon was lying. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. I don't think there was. An, I believe that may have been a projection, but I believe he knew exactly what he was doing. So, and I think he's just trying to save face, reconcile, and save face. Yeah, yeah, get a second chance with his daughter. Yeah, that's that's how I interpret it. I was like, this guy's full of shit, but. It, that's what that's the that's the strength of the fifteen back issues for like let's call it volume two, sure. is that it really gives you new layers of Mister Gone and Sarah, Sarah and their relationship, um, and then a new look at Dave, who like yeah. comes to grip at being Dave. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, there and that brings sorry. No, I was just gonna say they're almost like the two volumes are almost totally not connected they're like they, yeah they're both that's why they should have been standalone things that's why it should have been a volume two it should have been a whole new thing um and but they kept going and it's, again it's, it's, it's it splintered his audience but not to the point that they stopped reading they, there's just more questions of just like do you know what you're doing like how could you and well it's the same world it's a different focal point right but which which kind of sucks because it's like but everything comes to an end you as long as you understand that you can't have that story of julie and max go on forever no because it's, you know, it's, it's better to have. It's better to leave them wanting more than to give them too much, in my opinion. A good question to answer at the end of this. But go on, your next. And then, so number that, so the the back half brings us to number twenty six, which is quite possibly 
my favorite issue of the whole run. And that, excuse me. The boy with the paper bag on his head. Yeah. That's the origins of Mr. God. And like I said, it's all about how he came to be how he what he is and it's about three wives he had so he had uh celia who was an abusive junkie judy who was a repressed shit taker and tilly who was sarah's mom supportive to a point mom and auntie ruth the babysitter first babysitter he has three babysitters auntie ruth and the babysitter yeah there's also dexter and oh that's right yeah when he had like normal babysitters yeah 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 and this issue is incredible. It's, it is. It pulls no punches. Um, yeah, you're getting a lot of trauma. It's, it shocked me. Even even this far into the book, I was like, "Holy shit!" What's what's cool about this? Cool. That's a weird word to use. What's fascinating about this is that it doesn't excuse like because so it gives the it gives the background of Mister Gone and why he is the way he is. Why he's, you know, you feel he's out there raping girls, but it doesn't excuse it. No. It's not like, oh, feel sorry for him because this, you know, no, it just kind of describes how he got to where he is. And the, and the patterns, which is a word that keeps repeating itself and the wallpaper yeah. they keep using for the patterns that are inundated into him and that he yeah. slowly starts to adopt in his life. Yeah. I think the first, I think one of the first wor- first words of the whole issue is just patterns. patterns. Yeah. My escape, my refuse, and uh, how he's basically abused by everyone he, at a young, formidable age, grew to trust. So he loves his Aunt Ruth, who got sent to take care of him, but she sexually and verbally and, I guess, a little bit physically abuses him. Um, Then entrusted with another babysitter, Dexter, who's an older boy who sexually abuses him. And then what would be a normal relationship the next babysitter um he attempts to sexually abuse her and she's like i gotta get out of here but in the way that he was dexter guy was would expect him, yeah yeah so so it's all he as a child is all you know it's learned behavior at this point yes learned behavior. Thank you. it is staggering for anyone walking into this household to see this child want to do this uh act i guess um that the ripples follow him into kind of him choosing his first wife, who you were talking about. Yeah, his first wife, Celia, who's a junkie and a, a junkie and abusive. abusive. So like she she'd shoot up, she'd you know she'd pass out, and then she'd blame him, and then she'd just scream at him and give him shit like you let me do this da da da, and then she'd start apologizing. Uh, even to the point and, that she gives him a baby. But then she goes and turns and sells the baby's eyes for money yeah. and morphine. Yeah. And he comes back to a baby with eyes sewn over, closed, because he no longer has eyes. So. Yeah. Was not seeing it turn that way after all the turns we'd already seen in this specific issue. But yeah, no, that, that hits. Yeah. And then, you know, he goes from that wife. She, she dies, by the way. Yeah, overdose. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Yeah. And, you know, the baby doesn't make it either. But he... had no eyes. Yeah. He goes on to be with his next, his second wife, Judy, who's the, start, who's the exact opposite, who he treats like shit. Yeah. 
and treats like you know i'm not you know i'm not making love to you and you put a bag over your face and all stuff like put on the parka yeah and you don't know where that comes from no, sorry he'd want to wear a bag but so he'd made her wear a bag it was yeah. just like this it, it, he had this thrill of humiliating her and then becomes physical abusive and then he gets beat yeah. down by her brother <laughs> That's right. And then yeah. her brother beats her up too because she snitched on him. <laughs> so yeah. it's like, yeah. it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a moment of levity, but like everybody's just terrible in this issue. Yeah. And, you know, she leaves him. Right? She beat him with a bat and like left him. Right. And that's kind of when, that's when he goes out to Australia. Australia meets these um... Aboriginal. Aboriginal, Aboriginal yeah. sorry, yeah, sorry. And they show him the, and they have all those little babies with them that look like and those are kind of the is. There you go. Yeah, yeah. They teach him how to walk in the the dream. Walking time. in the dream time, yeah. And that's how he learns to. He learns about Pangaea. He learns about what we call the outback and how to to move between them and how he builds st- storage lockers. Sorry, how he builds storage lockers to hold each woman that he's kind of incepting. Yes. They're subconscious, yeah. so like quite literal, like a storage locker. He'll open up number eight has Julie subconscious, so he can go into that storage locker and start playing around in her mind. It's uh, and it was Julie a, was one of the first. Yeah, it was one of it was a brilliant tool for how um, Sam set up how this evil, evil man has conquered the world for so long. Yeah, but it's, 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 he started in her outback from a very young age, yeah. and yeah, he has like like you said the storage locker kind of area where he would just have all these different every storage room was a different mind mm-hmm. or memories from a mind and then he met Tilly who's who he actually fell in love with and kind of hid his weird creepy ways like he he liked to make love with the Peter bag on right yeah he also found Tilly at a ripe young age yes so there's also like it's not even you can't even call it true love it's kind of it's all no, but, it's all clouded. But bless her, she tried with him. Yeah. Like she tried to kind of do what he was into. Yeah, and like and... stay with the kink and then it got too far. And he he kind of starts getting weighted down with the fear of what he potentially may do to his daughter. That's exactly it. So she kind of supported him for a long time. She wanted to know, you know, like the root of everything that he had been through. And he told her, he eventually told her and he was, like you said, he was just kind of like, in her mind, it wasn't so much that he had, what he had been through. It's kind of like, would he replicate that to our daughter and abuse our daughter in some sort of way? And she couldn't get over the fact that he could, even though he never did. I don't think he ever really had the intention of doing, but there was that, possibility in Tilly's mind that it could happen and she was out she skated and that broke him because he was and then there's those amazing page, pages where it actually goes to uh what's eight four by four so 16 panels mm-hmm. and so it's like a comic strip but you see how he's interpreting all the trauma that's been placed onto him so like he goes and visits I think it's his first wife's tombstone and like spits on it but like breaks down and starts crying on it and then the staggering memory of what his life was like living with auntie ruth 
mm-hmm. and where that parka came from or where that bay came from and why you keep seeing that wallpaper. It's because that's the thing that he would focus on when he was getting traumatically shaped and abused as just a try. So you just see like a little baby crying and then like figure out if they like the sensation that's happening now and then pattern like it's it in a book full of traumatic conversations and pictures and connection to have the reader empathize with the characters this is some of the most staggering stuff that you get just the way that he did it and the age of the child who's come like not, not that it's better for like teenage girls to be abused but to see like a like a child you know, like a toddler. Get it, a toddler. get it from their aunt, the person that they're supposed to trust. And then the realization that Sarah had been reading this entire diary mm-hmm. on the computer. Just it's the emotional gut punch from Mike Tyson, because that just floored me. And I was like, I, the, these are one of the break moments. I was like, I need a break from this. I was just going to say, I, <laughs> after this issue, I took a moment. And by a moment, I mean a couple of days. I, I was like, I'm, I think I'm good for today. We were break. reading. Yeah, we were, we, were f- we were flying through this until we couldn't fly through this. And I was taking breaks early on because I was like, this is already hitting spots that I want to hit. Um, but yeah, this is not a book that is trying to hide pain, abuse, trauma, and I don't want to say ra- rationalizations because at the end of the day, the reader gets to make the decision of who you really believe as healed or who you still think is a monster. Because in this, a certain regard, all of them are. All of them do things that had they had not been traumatized in those ages, they may have had a, they definitely would have had a better life for themselves. Yeah. And how it manifests on the people that, like this dysfunctional family that they have to keep putting themselves around in order to like, survive but yeah i know that that that's a heavy one that's yeah a really heavy one and then the last the last issue that i that i want that i really enjoy was sarah number 28 which is sarah's outback which is somehow a cross between her childhood imagination which you were talking about before toy horses quilts etc at alice in wonderland yeah so it's it's like a it's a it's, it's a not like a, yeah. it's a it's an Alice in Wonderland story, and you, down to the shrooms and the drink me and the following the white rabbit, and then you see the the slug, and this is now the caterpillar on top of the mushroom cap. Like that's right, with the sick with the with the big pipe. It, yeah, so it's it, it was just it's sorry. Go it, ahead. No, I was just gonna say it's charming, but like it does that come on the tails of the three oranges? Yeah, uh, that, I believe so. Or is three oranges like later, deeper in? I think that's in the thirties. Do you know what, you, what I'm talking about? The the weird one where like the couple gets kidnapped. And, oh right, right, right. And yeah, there's yeah, like yeah, the yeah. Diaper, diaper dude. There's certain issues. Yes, that, that that one's that one's. I don't know where that fits. I don't know what that's supposed to be telling me. I don't know that that's like who that's supposed to be helping me figure out more. Like that's the one of the ones that doesn't tie up. Most of them have it loose ends that tie up. It does tie into things. I just didn't. I'm not smart enough to figure it out. Fair enough. Figure it out. But I remember reading about that one, and it does have. It's more, it's like, man, this was months ago I read about this, but it's, it's more like, um, the different connections to like Sarah's trauma, like how they all act to each other. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Like how the one guy was super aggressive and I can't remember exactly. I'll be honest. I can't remember exactly, Fair. but it, there is, there, it when, does when you get to it, it's, it's, it's yeah. unsettling for me. Um, essentially it's weird. Yeah. Really like, weird. 
I don't know because they're not connected to anyone that I remember. But this couple is kind of living in their car, and they're they're going through the motions of it. And then this other, I guess, clan rolls up on them, kidnaps them, and takes them back to the lair, where they tie them up, throw them on the mattress, kind of strip them down. And this third psychopath comes in with a diaper, and kind of has not really has their way with them. It's implied, obviously, but the way that he goes about it is so. Like he's still juvenile. Like at one point he soils himself and gets another one of his lackeys to change his diaper and like there's all these things that you would assume supposed to connect but for me didn't and i don't know what it's supposed to teach me it but it was just like another level of trauma and like victim not shaming like victim victims getting exploited and kind of the unsettling temperature of this world like the only characters that kind of come off unhit like untouched are uh the two brothers the stoop kids yeah but that's firsthand that's like in the first six issues Mm -hmm. and then you never see them again so like thank god but then he has like these funny moments with uh fred flower and uncle italian moose show which like that's right yeah yeah takes over the entire issue and it's only to use them as a microcosm for the relationship between julie and max and it looks like very, it looks like cow and chicken to me. So like I laughed more than I should have at it. But very, very Alan Moore is Alan Moore esque. And you're right. The, so, and codependent, right? Yeah. I didn't want I don't want to end on me talking about three oranges because it's, it's it's a weird issue. Uh, no, it is. It's number that's number thirty three. Yeah. So it comes at the very end. It's it's the placement that's weird too. Yeah, because you 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 expect them to tie everything up. Yeah. A, a perfect segue because by the time you get to like thirty three, thirty four, thirty five. It's not going the way that you expect it to go. No, no, at all. No, it doesn't. And it's... you're by thirty four. I was like, it's not gonna. This not. I'm not gonna get the bow I want on this present. It's it's them kind of trying to beat the clock on if they can save Sarah, who's already been lost to somebody subconscious. They don't know. They lost her in kind of. I want to say astral plane. But the unconscious, like it's an outback, but it's not really labeled who's outback. Yeah, because she's a giant is in the real world now, right? Like it's but, these weird turns that happen. Yeah, as, yeah, as a subconscious, she just floats away as a tiny little girl. She just like floats. She's having a conversation with her dad, who's also a little avatar that's small. She's yeah. like, I can fly. And then he's like, oh crap, I lost her. And comes back to the room and is like, I lost Sarah. So for the next issues, um, Max slash Dave, Julie gone and julie's son who i don't really like to be honest with you mm-hmm. uh, to the point i don't remember his name are all trying to figure out how we get sarah back and where to go find sarah like to the point that like julie thinks she's hearing her in the faucet and like julie's water and like that's where you get max being dave and he's kind of cool being a normal person but gone is like you may have to put on this outfit in order for julie and you to work together so he puts on what would be max's outfit but it's like it's a loose fitting sweatshirt that's purple and it's the actual lampshade with the eyes cut hole so it doesn't fit properly and he looks it looks like uh if you were to dress up like a ninja turtle it doesn't look like a ninja turtle right like you know when you get those plastic masks and it's like Mm -hmm. you can tell this is store-bought quality but that whole the next two issues is like of them trying to figure out how to get Sarah back and like her as it is and like oversized is and like the whole 
if we can't figure this out, like we cease to exist in this. Like, I didn't, I didn't like it. I did not like the final, I guess, three issues because I don't know if he knew what he was doing at the end. I don't know if he intended this for it to be the end. I don't know if he was burnt out by the end. Um, but it, it doesn't wrap up. Really? Like, there's kind of a, oh, we've escaped to a better spot and people go on about their lives. But, yeah. but like, everything that happened previously is kind of an afterthought. And it, it, it just doesn't make sense to me. So, like, I was gutted at that. It's a it's a it's a unique ending, right? It's but this is already a unique comic. Yeah, I know. I I think it's I think it's fitting, but I also think that you you might be right. I don't know if he. I personally don't even know if he really wanted to do anything after twenty. Fair. I don't know, and I'm not, I'm not saying it because I read something. Like I just I just don't know because it's it's a very different book. And I think it was more like for the fans. Like, here we go. Let's just kind of switch up the focal point. We'll see what we can like. But even, see even if do, that's but... true, what he got to do with Sarah is amazing. Yes. And I agree. again, you can understand why she's your favorite character. With this is not bad by any with means. What, and I, the amount of attention that he pays into her story and all the connections and all the things that she has to live out, like amazing. Mm-hmm. Especially if you think you don't, he didn't want to do that. But thirty four, thirty five. So 34 is that, uh, what's her name? It's that insert issue talking about the blonde girl, which I think is Julie, but they use a different Megan? Megan. And her coming of age story. So like, cool, but like the issue before it ends. So I'm like, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, this doesn't wrap up the way I wanted to. Yeah, it's a follow up because there's two Megan issues, right? right? There's the first one and then there's the three oranges thing and then there's this one. Um. Yeah, three, three, three sexual three, identity. Yeah, and stuff, three right? three oranges is thirty three, and then like she gets her period for the first time, so like learning that she can trust specific women who she thought she can trust, and then like her, again, yeah, her teacher, the librarian. Yeah, right? and then her, again, you were saying her coming to grips with her sexuality, which is kind of cool. Um, and then thirty two is the weird one with the the guy that I think is Mister Gone, but not Mister Gone. The guy with the weird, uh, the old man schoolboy hat and the puffer and everything. Like I. The, the last few issues seemed like he was starting something new. Like this was volume yeah, three. Just, yeah. Yeah. So not the best days in my mouth after him bringing all this trauma up to the surface. Cause yeah, that was the gambling thing, right? Where Megan is yeah. – or not Megan. Um, Sarah. Sarah is like the, the old dude that's like, I, I knew your dad. Yeah. It was, it was all weird stuff. You're right. The, the, the last like four or five issues are a little bit all over the map. Um. But I don't know. They're still interesting. They're still. F- well, we've agreed. The man's a visionary storyteller. Yeah. If he writes a story, I'm going to read it. Yeah. But what you've paced out. And by this point, Max doesn't even fight anymore, which is kind of like no. a slap in the face. Like yeah. the whole design of like he has hands with hooks in them and like kids are like, are those hands or hooks? Like all that shit was great early on. Yeah. But then he's yeah, like, com- he completely shies away from that and kind of regresses and becomes introspective and like turns into this. He's not even a hero anymore, right? Like he get he gets kind of neutered, and I don't know if that's the hand of Julie, if the that's the hand of Gone, if that's the hand of Sarah, because he's no longer needed like that. But where he started, because he used to be, and for the most part, he's always the amazing cover art, and he's always distinctive and 
violent and vibrant and you want to at least see him try to like sort out something even if you throw him in the outback but the last issue like he's he's just like dave and i i, I get if that's a logical conclusion but like ah oh, like, i don't like when you shortchange your characters before they reach their potential well i didn't mind just because the mains like 21 to 30 is kind of just or 35 is kind of just bonus content mm-hmm. as far as I was concerned. So it's almost like DLC. Um, <laughs> namely the last like five, because I like 21 to 30 is kind of, it's, it's a lot about Sarah and, and learning about her and made her my favorite character. And, but after that, it's kind of just like, Oh, here's some bonus stories. I believe I was just looking up uh, some of the, the three oranges mm-hmm. is actually, did um, you do standalone issue picks up, the story of Dude and Mickey from Friends of Max number one. Now we never I didn't read any Friends of Max stuff. Okay. So it's a continuation off of that spin-off. So for the true fans, so when yeah. deep deep. Um, yeah. there's too much emotional orange and not the R and B group. There are metaphors in it and stuff. Uh, but you know, I, that's why it didn't really hit for us. I don't think we we didn't read Friends of Max, so it may have hit differently if we had or would have hit differently if we had something to recommend if we come back to this property yeah we can we can we should check that out friends of max anyways anything else you want to talk about the comic because we'll touch on the show really quickly before we finish up, uh, i but... do want to talk finally about the reader letters never have i seen a creator oh, yes. how can i forget that thank you a creator a writer um a contributor to a comic pay as much attention to the readers and build a whole community of letters and fans that instantly found solace in sam keith's work but like would engage to the point that you were finding more information whether it was tongue-in-cheek fun or like because he's sometimes snippy in those letters too but you're he is he does give it to you're finding so much more about how this book is helping people than hurting people and I, i was telling you a few times we could do a whole episode of just the letters that you get at mm-hmm. these books because there's, there's amazing insights there's beautiful fan art that's um added and that he decides to include but the level of like questions he decides to like answer and not answer is a whole like pr course because yeah. there will be letters that he truly engages and tells you the backstory and sometimes he's like no nah, man what are you talking about like it's a, i love that i love his short answers it's like, it's a, as long as he doesn't answer them at all yeah Sometimes he doesn't answer the whole post kind of post. And like, yeah, he, he didn't have to post it, but he posted it. So like constantly pointing at his his audience and laughing and then like hugging them. So like also abusing us as we read this yeah. <laughs> emotionally abusing comic was just insane and enjoyable. But anyone that's rereading or reading for the first time the Max, pay attention and enjoy the letters that you get after each issue because it's worth worth it. Yeah, they're they're great. They're, you you'll get lost reading them. Yeah. There was a couple. The reason why I didn't include them is because I was like, man, this is like like you said, a whole other episode. We could totally do that yes. if you wanted to. I uh, I mean, if we if we head back to Max, it's gonna be a while before we want to lift this stone again. But I would just I would just make it eighty two point one and drop it like <laughs> some, as a bonus, you know, because it's it's uh, there is a lot. It's this is ninety three. Mm-hmm. To 95 this is before internet this is like and he had a he already had his own month to month you can community like his, you can his, see the love you, know? you can see yeah. uh people angry you can see like the vitriol you can see the celebrations you can see that he had and i i guess that's the most rewarding thing for a creator of this level you can see an instant 
return for like i'm doing something that's affecting people yeah. and it's one thing about like you throw something out into the scope and like the industry and it may not make a ripple you may not hear anything from it so you never really know how it hits your friends and family be like that's oh, good but like, you don't know but to get the over flowing commentary from people that are waited on bated breath for the next issue to drop week to week or month, month to, to month. month and just have so many questions so many ideas and then their own um rationales are like i think this is about this and i guarantee do was like that's a good idea i'm pulling this and i'm gonna use this he, down i line. think he says that sometimes yes, he's, he's like, like yeah it's amazing I took that. take that yeah um, but yeah no uh beautiful I, I we we have to give credit to that because most comics have a listener section and they're fun but not like this and even coke has been published in a few uh, ninja turtle comics turtles yeah i was in i was an issue what shit what issue was that the one with the rat uh with the rat king i don't know <laughs> so if you guys look for a, a deep dive want to see what coke having fun with ninja turtles it exists but this th- I've, i have yet to see anything like this uh it, i'd love to see something like this again but only sam keith could bring in this like uh, hey, we need black and white art for Max Tracks. Everybody selling in color stuff, but we need more black and white. Don't be shy. Even on points that he's like, hey, stop giving me color stuff. Like, it, it turned into like its own comic, essentially, because he had used to put the pictures in uh, the commentary, and they were getting too big. And then he would give like three or four pages of just artwork that people would make their version of uh, Max's on. So totally love that. Uh, I will. We will probably go back to that at some point because we're readers it'd and it'd be interesting yeah, too, yeah we like readers and this property is just full of just stuff like ph students phd students were talking about it from psychology things like that like f- across the board it was touching people in different ways and their opinions were gratified or just shut down with like nope not gonna talk about it gotta wait till next month and i was like you asshole but like what are you gonna do like you you're gonna wait till next month and start reading it again now, we won't spend as much time on the show as we did on the books, but we'd be remiss not to include that there was a MTV show mm-hmm. about this on Oddities. Which is how and I got into the Max in the first place. I saw the cartoon. I remember seeing it. I remember seeing it when I was like, when I was younger. I don't know what, I guess how old we would have been. We would have been like young, young. But I was like, what is this? Yeah. And I, I never got it. I just liked it because it looked cool. It was on late. It was on, it was on very uh, late. I think when we still had Teletoon, because we weren't getting MTV. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So anything after a certain hour, you're like, I know I'm not supposed to see this, but I'm going to stay up for it. And again, split between two shows. The first one was uh, Head something. The Head. head. Yeah. (laughs) About a purple alien that lives inside this guy's overtly large cranium. And the second half was The Max. Yeah, well, the the plan for Artie's was to have the two things share like a 30 minute episode so 15 minutes for the head 15 minutes for the max right but the that plan broke apart so that um uh max had more time to finish its initial batch so it would be so it was just you know what i mean so it wasn't gonna be it, it was supposed to be split but then it was like all right we're just gonna get in your own show that's why the episodes are kind of short but it, they needed more time to to launch it, which is interesting because then the show ended up coming to its end before the comic did. Yeah, it turned into a whole and so for Game the first, of Thrones thing, right? Like yeah, and so yeah, they're and so for the, the first faster than the writer could finish it. So for, so for the for the first like two thirds of the show, 
It's exactly like the comic books. Just, just out of is, order too, right? Like it's in a completely different order. Like a little it, bit, but at the, at the beginning, little, not yeah. really. It doesn't read as linear as the comic book does, but to its credit for the cartoon, it's staggering because it'll either start with him in the outback and you have no idea what's fucking going on. Yeah. Or he'll be in like a, a alleyway and it's raining on him. He's like, I'm the max. And then he snaps into the outback. And you're like, who's Julie? I gotta follow Julie. And like, again, I'm P. Progressive. So I see like this warrior queen all animated glowing and wind blowing. I was like, what is this? This is something I have to keep watching. Well, the cool thing with the show is that it did, it was able to present things that a comic book can't couldn't. The comic book is better, but the show presents things in different ways. They can give you like the backdrop of the city. Yeah. I think he did that. He actually did that to fill in some time in the backdrop. So you don't get that in the comic book, right? Nope. You get to hear their voices. Yeah. And the voice acting is really good. Yes. Um, we have a shout out to those guys. But the the we don't talk too much about it. You should go watch it because it's it's like the whole series is like two hours, <laughs> two and a half hours, I think. It's a quick to watch it. It's, all a, it's a quick episodes. watch and a different ending. Like you get a a happy ending. I was just gonna say, yeah. yeah. It's a different ending in that in that Julie leaves at the end. So in the book, she leaves like in the middle, right? We talked about that or between issue like what ten and thirteen, she leaves. And then in this one, she leaves at the very end. So they, but what they do is they kind of mix the end of the comic with the end of the show. In that she when she's leaving is when they say goodbye, and Max ends up taking off his suit mm-hmm. and going to a greenhouse. Yeah, and just that's how it ends. Like him in a greenhouse attending to his plants, which is kind of cool because it's like, oh, yeah. was this his outback the whole time? Yeah. Was this out back the whole time? Because there's like plants that resemble some of the creatures in the outback. Right. And there are some other scenes throughout the show, like I said, the backdrops and the different angles and shots of the city, like the exposed exposition shots that we don't get in the comics. So there are some some things that are exclusive, exclusive to the show. And the show is very good. It is. Or movie, if you want to watch it all together. Yeah, it makes more sense. But it's different. Well, the ending is different. You don't get any of the gone stuff. And completely like the, insane that they didn't do a movie of it. Like, this would be an amazing 90-minute, yeah. like, let's go back to Max World. Yeah. Uh, sh- and when I say any of the Gone stuff, I don't mean the, Mr. Gone's in it. And just so you don't get all the... Backstory? The backstory from the... Back half, volume two? Excuse me. Yes. Thank you. Shoutouts to Amy Daniel, who played Sarah. Uh, Glennis Tolkien, who played Gloria and Julie Winters. Michael Haley, who plays the Max. And Barry Stingler, who played Mr. Gone. He's got the great voice for the Max, eh? Yeah, oh, so, Julie, so, so gravelly and yeah. beat down. And he sounds kind of like slow, but at the same time, it's almost a bad Macho Man impression. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, I was speaking yeah. Of yeah. I was gonna say something else there, but I'm just so off topic that I'm not going to. It's the only thing that's gonna save this episode from. Some... You said Macho Man. I just, I just bought that Russell Quest game. Did you? Oh, I'm coming over. Yeah. Coming over. It's like it was on sale. I was like, yes. yes. Is it a two player? I don't know, man. I haven't tried it. I just I just I just remember that I bought it earlier today. I was like, oh yeah, I saw it was on it was like fifteen or twenty bucks off. I'm like, not a gamer, yeah. but I play the ish out of that. Russell Quay, I can't wait for that. Uh anyways, yeah, so my th- the show's gonna be, our thoughts on the show are brief. It's good. It's basically the same as the comic, right up to the ending. And the ending is different. It's kinda like you said, happier. Yeah. Sort of, quote unquote, happier. Well, someone um, gets a happy ending in it. But it's worth to watch and it's worth to read. Which one would you do first? Uh, I'd watch it before I read it. 
I'd watch it. Yeah, so would I. I'd watch it, and you kind of carry the voices and things over. And when you read them on the page, it's like, oh, it's a different angle. And then you'll see the differences as you go on, especially once you get past, um, once you get deeper into the first volume. Sam King didn't do much after this, did he? You know, that's a good question. Let's find out. I don't. This, this I think this took a lot out of him. Fair. And and I th- and in a time where the '90s and Image Comics were just throwing out everything that a kid could possibly dream of, like we're getting Savage Dragon through this company, we're getting Spawn through this company, we're getting Wildcats, Wild Storm through this company, um, we're getting the insane look and feel of '90s comic books which is a whole other thing and this just cuts through all of that the closest relation i guess is spawn but not even close for what this man does on the page uh we talked a little bit about the art style but not to the point that you can truly appreciate it if you don't pick up the book again if if this is the one guy doing all the penciling his art style changes frenetically feverishly and constantly in the same issue let alone issue from issue, let alone cover art to like first page. His choice of how he wants to progress you through the plot is amazing through the story. But through picture, I've n- never seen anything like this. I don't expect to to this level. And we give so much credit to a writer and artist who attempts to do this. But this guy did it for 35 issues, mm-hmm. give or take. Some story writers came in to help over here, and some inkers came to fill out art over there. But this is a beautiful book for how how you can see the world. Because you're constantly looking at these flawed figures, and there's always an oddity to how they look, but like a love for the way they look. Because he's not trying to make them look more or societally based on what they should be. He's not over-glorifying them. But he's not reducing how ugly they are. Like, you get everything. It's so raw that it's, um, again, um, yeah, amazing. It's raw. Yeah. It yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, he, so he did do some other stuff. He did some stuff for um, DC. He did some stuff for Marvel. But uh, it'd be interesting for us to pull. This is like pull his, up art. Yeah, his crown jewel. Yeah, this is his, his opus magnum. It'd be interesting for us to pull up another just a random issue. Well, there's the there's the max maximized stuff. Word. There's the maximized. Vol- Sorry, you're you're cutting out a lot, so I don't know if it's gonna. I don't know why, but there's there's like the max maximized where they redid the art, they retouched it. How much of that did you read? Maximized. Yeah, I haven't. Did t- you read any of that? I haven't touched. Max- it's the same thing. It's just they they retouched the colors. Uh, no, I read, I read the original issue one, and then I saw that there was Max versus Batman that I thought we'd eventually touch on at some point, where they try and bridge those two worlds. Yeah, we'll together. get to that at some point. Not really. Because you, you always go to Batman, right? That's a well that nobody touches. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I'm sure super interesting in this type That's of That's relatively new, too, I think. Yeah. But he did, he did some Hulk and Wolverine stuff. He did some Batman stuff. It shows. When he brings Pitt in, Pitt looks like Grey Hulk. In like yeah. issue six, and I was like, yeah. oh, and I was like, Joe, fix it. So like, I liked it more. It's just Paul. It's it's uh, Gray Hulk with 
uh, or rocker hairstyle because he's got long locks and he's always standing in the wind with it blowing over his face. I was like, I've seen this guy before. I said the joke. I know, but I still want to put it out there because okay, we do want some levity in this. Like we're not trying to make yeah, everybody just, cry. just cut it so it's just cut it so it's this. Oh, we'll just cut. Oh, so this, this mine? You're giving me this? <laughs> <laughs> no, I can do it. I'm, just, I'm gonna I'm gonna cut all this part out. And I'm just gonna move the joke. Here. Yeah, you you cut. Here's a here's a trick to know if Coke or Dang cut it. Coke cuts ten minutes in and ten minutes out. Everything in the middle is as is and. Uh, Dank will sit there and listen painstakingly for every time I go, <laughs> or like breathe heavily over Coke's joke and pull that out. Yeah, but uh, that was me. That was me the first yeah, yeah. You, year or two we did it. I was doing that out constantly. Now I just don't have the time. So I'm just like, all right, sounds good. <laughs> Let's, as long as we sound good, I'll leave the <laughs> and, yeah. and all the burps and stuff. All these just leaving. Coke, Coke has a life. Uh, Dank, it's authentic. Dank does always have a life. I'm up to like three trying to make sure we can make it for uh, a, it's authentic a, a Thursday drop but uh yeah nobody cares 